while I do believe that there's a lot of value in following your gut, I think it's easily confused with you using your emotions to make decisions, and this especially at work. And I think it's important to know you you simply can't rely on just your emotions to make key decisions or solve problems. And it's another risk that high EQ, high EQ leaders face, um, just giving too much deference to their personal emotions or even those around them. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast a podcast where we explore the intersection of emotional intelligence and leadership. And whether you're a seasoned executive or just starting out in your leadership journey, we're going to share practical tips, inspiring stories, and expert insights to help you develop your emotional intelligence and achieve your goals. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take your leadership skills to the next level. I'm Ismail. And I'm Samir. Hey, Samir. So in a previous episode, we made the convincing case for why emotionally intelligent leaders are generally more successful than those who exclusively have high EQ uh, or leaders that just lack um, the the general skills to build trust in teams because they're highly technical, right? And we explain how some leaders have just like innate skills that lends itself to high EQ, right? And there's just others that don't. They just don't have those qualities. And it's fair to say that this podcast in, in, in its entirety, focuses on building EQ and how we can share that with others, right? But there is something that people need to be aware of. And there's this risk that we're painting this false picture where emotionally intelligent leaders have the whole world figured out, right? Or, or they, they don't struggle in their personal lives for that matter. Yep, absolutely. Or at work. And so, look, Ismail, you and I, you know, we've spent our careers and I would say even prior to work life, really since we were kids, it feels like honing these high EQ skills of self-awareness, openness, empathy, relationship management. And whether we did it intentionally or not, at this stage, I think we can both be considered as high on the emotional intelligence spectrum, if you will. But Despite this, there are emotional struggles that you and I, we face every single day, right? And we talk about it all the time. And so these emotions or these struggles, that's what we refer to as the dark side of emotional intelligence. And within the dark side, there's some really like heavy and raw, like difficult emotions that high EQ individuals, they struggle with every single day. And so... This episode really will shed some light on these emotions, these dark side emotions, and they're going to teach you ways to recognize when you're feeling these these emotions. And then we're going to discuss ways to help you overcome these emotions. I think as we go through some of these topics, and we're going to be covering things like emotional exhaustion or perceived insincerity, mm-hmm. I think some of the people out there, they're going to be nodding their heads saying like, yeah, I do feel this or, mm-hmm. or yeah, I, I go through this. And hopefully they're also saying, and I really don't like these feelings. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, that's the reason why I think it's such an important topic for us to go through. Yeah. Um, so in that case, why don't we dive into our first topic? Yeah. And I think this is something that many of us have felt um, and are probably feeling today. And that is emo- emotional burnout. Mm, yes. Hand raised. I'm guilty. <laughs> All right. Let's do it as well. 
you know, one of the key features of high EQ individuals is that they are constantly absorbing the emotional state of those around them, right? We talked about social awareness, leaders understanding the emotions of others and then managing them to a positive outcome. But without a doubt, right, this superpower, as we've called it, that's high EQ individuals use to their advantage every single day, being able to read and understand the emotions of everyone around them. And they use that to build trust. They use that to influence their teams. However, it can really have this exhausting impact on leaders who are constantly invested in the emotions of the people around them. And this can single-handedly lead to emotional burnout, if you will. I mean, it's it's because high EQ leaders have that extra burden of constantly reading or managing the emotions of everyone around them, right? But on top of that, they have to manage their own emotional state day in and day out. And you know, as you can imagine, this, I mean, at some point it takes a pretty heavy toll on someone, right? And it could lean to some serious issues. And I think, you know, in this case, burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you contrast that with leaders who might lack that, you know, a je ne sais quoi of high <laughs> EQ leadership. Can you please and, translate for those yeah, who didn't grow up in Canada? <laughs> if, if, come on, you know what je ne sais quoi is that, is that little bit of something, you know, ah, that okay. little bit of spice that, okay. that makes them unique. Gotcha. And, and, um, and so they, those, those folks that don't have that high EQ skill, mm-hmm. they manage with an iron fist Yeah, and it's like just single vision. They're, going towards it and they can easily somehow for some reason they dim- dismiss the emotions of everyone around them so i mean and that's in that case like what ends up happening is the emotional state of those low eq leaders at, at any given time is just i mean we're, we can say it's less taxed mm. and when they i imagine when they hit their head hits a pillow at night mm-hmm. they they probably have this false sense of comfort um, or, you know, they're in this different reality of not caring how their behavior impacts other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, from from what we know, right, we would argue that this type of low EQ leader, likely not maximizing the potential of his or her team, Fair is probably more likely to experience some kind of short-term success. But regardless, you're absolutely right, right? High EQ leaders, in contrast, are under tremendous and constant emotional burden that low EQ leaders may not be even feeling, right? These are just things that completely escape them. And that's why we're seeing so much burnout in the workplace today, right? Stress, anxiety, depression, detachment, it's all way up. Mm -hmm. And then work satisfaction, home life satisfaction is way down, right? Even in leaders who, to a third party from an outsider's perspective, they might look like they've got it all figured out, like they have great career success, family life looks so good. But when you lift the hood, these leaders, they're really struggling to find joy in their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And they're in this state of like constant emotional distress. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you have these EQ skills that are helping you in your journey, right? Sure. And to, to like pretty much towards success, that that's what we're getting at here. And then on the other hand, it can also be a cause of some real exhaustion, some emotional exhaustion. I mean, like, let's take empathy, for example, right? Okay. 
it's so powerful in how it allows us to connect with people on such a deep level. Mm-hmm. But it's not, I mean, it's not really easy to listen to everyone's pain and suffering in, in one moment. And then all of a sudden you can disconnect from that in the next. Mm-hmm. I think you just end up carrying all of that emotion with you for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm personally guilty of this, right? There's so many days it feels like from the moment you wake up until the second you go to sleep, your head is just spinning. You know, you're right. trying to manage the emotions of everyone around you, right? From coworkers to family to friends. And then you never have a second to process your own emotions because mm. you're juggling everyone else's emotions so delicately, like constantly, right? And sometimes you think like, man, like how liberating would it be to just not care about anyone else, right? And deprioritize everyone right. and just focus on yourself. But then deep down, you also know that doing that won't make you happy either. And so you get caught in this trap that essentially leaves you emotionally just exhausted. I mean, I think that's why self-care is so critical just as a coping mechanism, right? For yeah. for leaders, it's just, I think it's something really important. You have to take the time out to, to really, truly de- decompress in any way, in any way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's whether you're exercising or spending time with your family, just whatever works for you. Um, but I mean, to that end, like, what do you do when you feel this way? Because I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to you. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think for me, and I think I can safely, you know, speak for you here, like prayer, or or for some people, this could be meditation or yoga. All of these things can really boost, um, can can give you a real boost. But for me, like stopping, praying, speaking out my struggles, that can be really cathartic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I find other ways to emotionally regulate. Like I like writing down how I feel. It helps me a lot. Not technically like journaling per se, but when I'm feeling like really overwhelmed or just emotionally scattered you know i'll just take out my iphone i'll open up like a blank note and i'll just write out affirmations like quite literally like i'll type out everything's gonna be okay and then i'll (laughs) list out why and i'll try to make sense of why i'm feeling so overwhelmed but for whatever reason just that that exercise of typing it out reading it rereading it like i can give you an example i was going on a vacation with my family and uh we had a big work issue pop up like the morning that i was leaving and you know i'm trying to get myself my kids out the door catch a flight stressful enough and i remember like i get on the plane like three hours after this long journey from home Mm -hmm. i get i sit down And I'm just like, how am I going to make it through this vacation? Like, I was so stressed about work. And then I took out my iPhone. I opened up a note. And I just typed out 20 reasons why everything was going to be fine when I got back. And I read that note throughout my trip. I read it about five times on the plane. Then whenever, like, I got stressed out about that situation, I just popped that note up. And I had, like, these affirmations in there. Like, you know, like, and... And it actually really helped me a lot. So that's that's something that I can say is a little bit unique, something that I do personally that really helps For me. Sure. I mean, I think a lot of people, it's sage advice, right? Something mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. Uh, something you always have your phone on you. I mean, most everyone has your phone on their phone on them. So it's something that they can do. And you know, I can I totally hear you on the prayer route. I'd say um, I think it's something that's really powerful. And like you mentioned, just general meditation falls into that category, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're using one of those meditation apps on your phone, you know, like I was saying, everyone has one their phone with them. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's just your own style, right? Yeah. But, 
Another thing that really helps, at least for me, and this is both personally and professionally, is just like setting general boundaries. And and frankly, mm-hmm. I mean, just learning to say no. Mm. It's, it's a no is such a powerful and useful tool. I mean, it gives you the opportunity to be really intentional with communicating your limits to people around you. Yeah, no, that's so key. Um Setting those boundaries, being able to say no. I mean, it's something that I know that I can definitely work on, but it's really hard, right? There's, there's, there is a real tangible cost to caring so much about your people. And when I say your people, I'm not just talking about your team, talking about up and down the chain. I'm talking about your family, about your friends and Mm -hmm. emotionally intelligent people tend to care a lot. It is part of the fabric of who they are and to be honest they don't know any other way to lead or to be and what they're failing to realize is that while they're putting in so much of their energy to care about their people there's energy draining from somewhere else within them and it's usually that energy um, that that person needs to keep themselves healthy well said. Well said. I couldn't agree more. I'm honestly guilty of that, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that as well. But um, why why don't we move on to some of the other struggles that a lot of people have? Um, and I think another thing that, that that high EQ folks experience is like this risk of an overemphasis on emotions. So, what do you think about switching gears? Yeah, let's do it. So, Samir, while I do believe that there's a lot of value in following your gut, I think it's easily confused with you using your emotions to make decisions, and this especially at work. Yeah. And I think it's important to know you, you simply can't rely on just your emotions to make key decisions or solve problems. And it's another risk that high EQ, high EQ leaders face, um, just giving too much deference to their personal emotions or even those around them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in generally when they're trying to make a difficult decision at work, it's something that they have to be really careful about. And when you put an overemphasis on emotions, you end up, I think, impairing your decision making ability because you end up making like these impulsive and irrational decisions. And I mean, another thing that happens is you can end up maybe misinterpreting the intentions or motives of others, which I mean, I just don't think can end well. It doesn't. Yeah. It's usually where the conflicts start. Yep. Right, right. And I think the main point that I'm trying to make here is that if you give your emotions center stage in your decision-making process, it can create a lot of stress and anxiety for those people who just use that particular approach, generally Mm -hmm. people who are high in EQ. When in reality, what they need to do is they need to be able to look at data and objective aspects of a particular issue to come to a fair, well-rounded sound conclusion yeah yeah and as you were explaining the issues that can be caused by the overemphasis on emotions i was thinking about like examples that a lot of leaders are facing um Mm -hmm. and that's the reality of having to lay off staff right something that we're seeing and hearing a lot about of late and so for leaders you know i think there's nothing that's more emotionally shattering at the workplace than having to let someone go Right. It's even harder for, I would say, emotionally intelligent leaders who make a living by, like we talk about, right, holistically caring about their teams and treating them with empathy and kindness and cultivating trust. And now you have to deliver 
the crushing news and ultimately, you know, upend, upend somebody's life right. and then deal with the aftermath, which is a team of freaked out people. Right. And so right. if you let emotion exclusively kind of carry the day, the business can suffer like some real consequences, right? A lot of leaders will fight this reality. They'll do whatever they can to save their people, even if it has really detrimental business impacts. So we see high EQ leaders really find a struggle or they struggle to find that balance, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about an overemphasis on the emotional side of the decision. Right. And I'd say this is a real knock on high EQ leaders. This is the reason why a lot of these cutthroat business leaders, they don't completely buy into the highly emotional and the emotionally intelligent leader right. being the right person to lead because uh, they don't want to value people in this way. Like these cutthroat business guys or women, I should say, they they don't wish to value people holistically. They view emotionally invested leaders as being weak, but there is a balance that can be achieved, right? To balance, to battle this notion. It's what you talked about, right? We need to look at data and the objective aspects. So in the end, you can't, you know, just overemphasize emotion and then ignore the reality, ignore the data. You have to be able to balance it too. When I'd say this is where self-awareness comes into play Mm -hmm. because it, if, if you're, aware of this particular nuance of, of a high EQ leader. Mm-hmm. It allows you to quickly identify uh, when your emotions are kind of clouding your judgment sure. in some of those, some of those particular situations. And I mean, if you fall into that group, I think it's important to spend some time bolstering, you know, your critical thinking skills and it's the strengthening your ability to analyze objective data, right? It, it is a skill. Yeah. It truly and, is. Right. And instead of like that, you may have this instinctual, emotional, emotion centric response mm-hmm. and everything in moderation. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you need, like you mentioned, you do need to develop some level of comfort with letting the data guide you as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, I think you should use data to validate at least what your gut is telling you. Yeah. No, 100%. And I think one thing that I've done over the years, knowing that, you know, I've run the risk of overemphasizing emotion is seeking diverse perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that I can get caught up in emotion. So I go to those that are disconnected from the situation. Um, and I ask them, you know, uh, for feedback, you know, so people who have similar roles at different companies, um, or completely different industries, but can still relate to, the the nuances of the situation I'm facing. And then I get a refreshed perspective by doing that. And that's been super helpful getting that, that, that diverse perspective. And then also reflecting on historical mistakes that I've made by overemphasizing emotions, right? Perhaps you hung on to people a little too long in the past, (laughs) entered into like some bad contracts, relying on emotion. You listened to some really bad biased advice by, trusting someone too much. And so I'm constantly revisiting those instances to avoid making that mistake again. I'm like, uh, not happening again. I relied on my emotions too strongly in that situation. And I'm not going to let that happen again. Let's look at the empirical data. Let's look at the realities of some of the, of, of, of what we're seeing, um, to drive this decision, not just the emotion. 
I mean, I'm going to add, I'm just going to add something in there. As you were saying that I, if I had a choice, I was just thinking gun to my head, right? Mm-hmm. If someone said you have a choice to make your data based on your gut and your emotions or empirical data, I know for me, I'm going with my gut and emotions. Mm. I, I just, I, yeah, I will, I will hands down go with that. And I've been wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times. Yeah. But what I can tell you with certainty is that my gut and has been right more times than not. Hmm. And so that's for me. Um, and I guess I'm almost defending a little bit, taking the emotional response. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take data into account. I yeah. think I think and and I think it's at least learning how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, for me, again, this is just my personal experience, I'll always uh revert back to my emotion. That's interesting. Yeah. I think for me, like now I've truly found a way to strike that balance more um because my gut has failed me <laughs> a few times. <laughs> so I have some I have some wounds that I'm still licking. Yeah. And for that reason, like I have to almost force myself uh to to not trust my gut as much as I used to, but fair. Um, but and I think that's of, where yeah. that's where um, using the data to validate at least your like at least mm-hmm. validate your gut. I think that's where it comes into play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. So, I mean, I think emotional burnout and an overemphasis on emotions are just really common pitfalls that high EQ uh, individuals need to keep an eye out for. Mm-hmm. But another one that we should uh, discuss, and I think this is a really interesting one, is around authenticity or perceived insincerity. Ah, interesting. All right, let's get into that one. I think it's a good one. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We hope you're enjoying the episode so far. If you want to stay updated on all the latest content and behind the scenes action, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and several other places by using the link in the show notes. And if it's not too much trouble, we'd love for you to leave a review and share this episode with some of your friends. Your support means everything to us, and we can't wait to connect with you online. Now, let's get back to the show. So, Ismail, one common trait seen in people with high emotional intelligence is their ability to read a room and then adjust their emotional response to match the needs and feelings of those around them. And this is a really, really powerful skill. It allows those with high EQ to easily navigate social situations, diffuse conflict, influence others, you know, bolster collaboration between groups of people. And so while their ability to use emotion uh, to get things done, done is a really important skill that EQ mm-hmm. leaders have. And this adaptability or ease by which high EQ leaders navigate emotionally difficult situations, it can sometimes come off as a leader being insincere or even manipulative. And so this can have some really serious consequences, like we're talking about erosion of trust, um, or a leader can get a reputation of being disingenuous and that can create conflict for them. So, yeah, I mean, so while unfortunate, you have to understand, I think that this is just an unattended consequence of being an adaptable person and like being able to see things Mm -hmm. from other people's perspectives. And this is all while providing true empathy, right? Yeah. I mean, the challenge here is 
um, like when people see you doing this too easily, it can kind of come off as just being lip service, uh, even though you probably genuinely care. Yeah, for sure. Because I've run into this issue a lot, uh, particularly when I get into arguments with my wife, right? She'll sure. call me out. She'll call me out for doing something that hurt her. And I'll think about it. And I pretty quickly realize like, man, that was kind of bogus what I did there. And I'll say sorry, because I'm genuinely you know, sorry. And she'll be like, you're just saying sorry to end the conversation. You don't want to talk about it. You just want to move on. And then I get frustrated because I'm like, wait, you called me out. I'm seeing your perspective. I see where I went wrong and I'm actually really sorry, but it's like as a, like an emotionally intelligent person, uh, uh-huh. it's the ease by which I make those progressions, right? Those emotional progressions. I don't get worked up. It makes it seem like I don't actually mm. get it or that I don't actually care, which sucks because I do care and right. I'm being open to feedback. I'm being self-aware. I'm doing everything that you should do. Yet now I'm being told that I'm just saying sorry to end it. And it's incredibly frustrating, but again, it's a pitfall of being emotionally intelligent, right? Sometimes you're just so good at navigating these situations that the other person is just like, why can't be real? This can't be real. And so, but like actually being good at it is, is making it worse. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, as you were saying, that is, I think something's really interesting about this is if you can perfect some of these skills um, at home with like your spouse or family, yeah. I think doing it at work is just a walk in the park, right? Yeah. I mean, you and, think about just like the emotions, right? Like if, if yeah. you can do this stuff with your family and navigate how emotionally charged some of those conflicts are, and then yeah. the workplace kind of, like you said, it just seems so much simpler. Totally. And I mean, speaking of our spouses, right? Yeah. Um, one thing that I've practiced a lot with my wife is empathy, mm-hmm. right? And yep. I do this, I, I, I say this in, from the perspective of, like, I've learned how to keep that uh, stereotypical male trait of solving things at bay. Mm-hmm, but I think mm-hmm. the next level of doing that is being able to practice true empathy without losing your authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so can you truly hear someone when they're coming to you at work with an issue or a problem that maybe isn't as important to you or something that you might just not really care about. And can you make that for person feel seen and heard while still being authentic about it? Mm. I mean, I've been in the situation a boatload and over the years, I think I've honed the skill of just slowing down my thoughts and just really trying to hear them. Mm. And I know it seems easier than it sounds, but when you master it, this, a light bulb will just go off in your head and you'll just know you're like, I get it. And this while I could say like, I've known you for quite a lot of years and you are actually a really, really good listener. And when people are talking to you, they can just feel that you care and that you're paying attention. But then I know you, like you genuinely do care and you want to know you're such a curious person. I think for myself, I have 
a tendency to want to get to the bottom of things very quickly. And so when others want confrontation or they want to vent things out or they just want to hash something out, I I think I lack some of that patience. Um, And so then I sort of nudge them to hurry up. And and I think that that can come off as being insincere or not caring. And it it isn't that I don't care. It's just I know where the conversation is going to end up. So can can we just take it there? Like, if you're not going to, I will, because yeah. I'm all about efficient communication, especially in the workplace. So, you know, but that's something that I need to work on. It's definitely like, you know, where making people feel seen and heard is such an important part of, of being a high EQ leader. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, one of those things where I'm just like, Ugh, can you hurry I mean, it up? Come on now. <laughs> I think, I think for you, it's, it's this amazing skill, which is a blessing and a curse at exactly. the same time, right? 100%. Because you're skilled enough to know, okay, this is where it's going. Yeah. And it just happens. It's, it, you just happen to want to get to the end because you're like, oh, well, we just make this decision and move on to the next thing because you have so many things going on. Right. But yeah. I think that's just a big issue that high EQ people run the risk of doing, and they're not even realizing that they're doing it, right? They have no clue. Yeah. And I think high EQ leaders, they have this instinctual reaction of just being very intentional about making people feel seen and heard and just being really empathetic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're kind of describing there, but it can come off as just robotic and you might not even realize that you're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so as much I think as much as you want to be laser focused on the outcome, yeah. I think you have to go through the entire journey of the conversation only because the first person in front of you, they're the ones who need it. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. You're absolutely right. 100%. Um, but it it's it's easier said than done. It is, yeah. And I mean, I think this is a really interesting trap that high EQ feel uh high EQ folks can fall into, right? Mm-hmm. And so I for those listeners, I challenge I challenge you all to seek feedback and mm. seek feedback on this particular topic from coworkers or even some of your friends and family, like someone who's going to just shoot it to you straight. Mm-hmm. Because if there are things that you can do to change this notion of perceived insincerity, it's totally worth addressing. Yeah. Yeah. So high EQ leaders, like in the same way, they've become so good at controlling their emotions doing the right things, saying the right things, that it can become unrelatable. And Mm. people think that you're just telling them what they want to hear or that you don't actually care. Because if you did, you would be just as upset as they are. You'd be punching a hole in the wall, you know? So (laughs) because you're not doing that, uh, they just feel like you are not understanding their emotions. So the best things to do is every once in a while, just punch a hole in the wall, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I could see you. I just picture you kind of sitting there, like, uh, looking around, eyes shifting. You just drop a glass on the floor. <laughs> just, what's going you on? See, you should see all the holes in my office walls. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, Samir, why don't we jump ahead to an issue, to another issue? And I think this is something that high EQ ladder leaders are also battling with. And... It's that difficulty of setting boundaries. So, Ismail, I know that when it comes to the number of family events that you will attend, you Uh set a hard cap at one per quarter. Uh But how about work? I mean, do you struggle to set boundaries? Because I know with the family, you're you're the best at it. (laughs) I do. I do struggle at times. But 
First, let me address, for those of you who know me, you understand what Samir is referring to, and you probably have experienced it firsthand. But for those of you who don't, um, I pretty much have a standing rule around family events, yep. but specifically weddings. This is because our families are so huge. There's, It feels like there's a wedding every eight seconds. So I cap uh, a generally a wedding event at one per quarter. That's just, that's, that's what we're talking about here. So, um, but as it refers to, you know, my own boundary setting, it took me a while, but for the most part, I think everyone knows, uh, what some of my boundaries are and they, they respect them. And what I think it's even more important that you're able to set boundaries at work. And let me tell you why. So high EQ leaders, they're just, and we've talked about this, they're wired to care a lot about feelings of others, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's no shortage of empathy for other people's strife or pain. Like yeah. that's there. It's an endless, boundless supply of that. And so sure. that what that trait ends up doing is like it's a critical ingredient for helping creators, uh, leaders create deeper connections with people. Mm-hmm. But it can also make it really hard to set and maintain professional boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what, what I think, you know, we, we've talked about this briefly, but that empathy boundary paradox and high EQ leaders have this feel this heightened sense of responsibility for other people's emotions. And they just have this desire to avoid conflict. So in the end, they just struggle to set boundaries generally in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that we want, to care about our teams holistically and really mm-hmm. be there for them. But we also need to be able to manage them, right? Make sure that the work's getting done. We got to be able to hold people accountable when the work isn't getting done. Sure. And being able to do this regardless of whatever people are going through. And that's a real challenge, right? When a team member suffers, let's say a loss, or mm-hmm. they might be going through some really difficult relationship problems, you want to be there for them because mm-hmm. you undoubtedly, you care but you also need to ensure that the business is still running, that the work is getting done, and that what one person is going through isn't making the rest of the team suffer. And so you have to create boundaries about, around how much you need to know about sure. someone's personal issues. And that might mean reminding them that you know you have a responsibility to the full team mm-hmm. and not just the individual who's going through the grief, right? You tell them, I care, but I also have to care about these people too. Mm-hmm. So while I'm here for you, like understand that my decision making is going to be guided by what's best for the business while keeping in mind what's best for you, but I will have to balance the two. Sure. And I mean, there are plenty of ways of subtly and compassionately setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. in that, in those, in those situations, because each situation is different, right? But some leaders not setting those boundaries can have some really serious impacts on your mental health. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're again, carrying the weight of your own personal problems. And then you're Mm -hmm. adding on top of that, other people's problems, I think it's only sustainable for so long, right? And mm-hmm. at some point, it's just, it's not going to be possible. So you, you're going to end up uh, feeling frustrated or worse, like this this feeling of resentment, because at some point, you just feel overwhelmed and sometimes a little, maybe a little taken advantage of, Yeah, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've just made the decision after a long week or long month that I'm just done. Like done. And what I mean by that is like, I'm just not going to answer my phone or respond to text messages that work personal, um, anything, because I'm just not able to process 
anyone's information anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's as if like I just need to do that because my brain needs to go through this emotional detox before I can be productive again. Yeah, no, that's an emotional detox. I like that. And it's definitely, you know, easier said than done, right? Yeah. And uh something though that, you know, absolutely is critical. Um so another issue that poor boundary setting has caused me and it seems like it's happened a lot of times in my life before I was able to really take control of it is trouble maintaining like healthy relationships mm-hmm. because of my emotional intelligence or my emphasis on emotions. Because for me uh, personally, not setting boundaries, it's been hard for me over the years to maintain like balanced or uh, reciprocal relationships. I was, okay. I was felt Often I felt like I was putting in more into a relationship mm. than I'm getting in return. And so that's left me really disenchanted and disappointed by people over the years. But, you know, now I've come to realize um, much later than I should have, because I wish I realized this earlier would have saved me a lot of grief that it was actually like a me problem, right? Not the other person, because oh, I didn't because I didn't set the right emotional boundaries. So I was operating under some kind of non-existent pretense that if I care this much, the other person should too, or they have to. Because for me, and this happened for many, many years, I felt that there really were no boundaries in friendship. Mm -hmm. But other people, they did set boundaries. Mm. I just was never able to, to see them, you know? And I think that the same can apply to certain to a certain degree at work because we often work in teams yeah. and there's such an interdependence and boundary setting can really protect you emotionally. Um, so Ismail, with that said, like, what do you do? Like, how, what do you do to not avoid or to avoid not setting proper boundaries? That's a, that's a difficult, but very good question. Um, I'd say, I think I solved this probably uh, in particular by figuring out how to do it in my personal life first, mm-hmm. and then I applied it to work. Right. Okay. So, um, I'd say I used to struggle a lot with this dilemma of spending time with myself to recharge, which I think mm-hmm. is probably one of my, uh, like self care coping mechanisms. Right. Yeah. And versus going out with a friends or to some social outings. Mm. And I think if you were to ask my wife, she'd tell you that I used to have this debate with myself a couple times a week. Easy. Right. And I don't think this is really special to me, but I think like one day I just realized I'm just a better person, a better friend, mm-hmm. I'm happier, a better spouse. If I just said no to some of the invitations. And that way, when I did go out, I was really present during mm-hmm. those times. And it really made it really mattered. Like, you know, quality over quantity in that case. Yeah, and yeah. this naturally just a transition to work where I learned my own limits at work. Mm-hmm. And anything beyond that was just pretty much a fairly hard no. And mm-hmm. this is just me, again, being self-aware, right? And I'm reflecting on what was good for me at that point in time. And that's not to say that you're still not helpful, but mm-hmm. there are limits. It's just you're going to go to a point. And probably folks like yourself uh, and myself are our like what we're thinking as a three or four out of 10 of helping is probably an 11 or 12 out of 10 for other people. But yeah. um, it's it's just I knew that I was I recognized that I was taking too much emotional responsibility for people at work to the point where I just 
you know, was able to figure out that it's better for me to create a boundary here and say no and just prioritize uh, prioritize my own well-being. And yeah. again, like I mentioned this earlier, there's there are really subtle and compassionate ways of letting people know that you've got a boundary. But at the same time, you really need to be just open and honest as necessary, right, about yeah. why. And yeah. I think one of the most important things that uh, that I learned and that, that everyone should should keep in mind is just don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's the hard part, but like you, like you put so well, like that preventative care, right? Like yeah. being proactive and pro- prioritizing yourself. It's, it's really the golden ticket because the, the alternative is not doing that and then <laughs> really making yourself sick. Right. I mean, I think I think we this was a really good summary of uh, the dark side of emotional intelligence, and it's an important aspect of the emotional intelligence conversation. And I think as we build our skills to become high EQ leaders, we need to be acutely aware of these challenges that we talked about. Yeah, I agree. You know, we talked about a few really noteworthy topics today. Uh, we explained emotional exhaustion and burnout. We talked about the overemphasis on emotion. We talked about perceived insincerity and then difficulty setting boundaries, all of which are high high EQ leaders are very prone to experiencing and struggling with, oftentimes without even realizing they're struggling that's, with it. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we hope that all that some of the, our personal experiences that we, we shared with you um, are helpful to you guys. And I'd have to say that it really starts with being self-aware. And I think the audience out there that's listening, I think you're in the right place to learn how to look out for these pitfalls with, of course, the end goal being just to reduce your stress, reduce your anxiety. And um, as leaders, like this is just one of the most important things that, that you can do. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Emotional Intelligence Podcast. We hope you found it informative and enjoyable. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on your favorite platform. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more people. If you're interested in learning more about the topics we discussed today, be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources. You can find them by visiting our website. And if you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us by email at info at or connect with us on social media by using the links in the show notes. Thanks, Amir. And thanks to everyone listening. Until our next episode, remember this quote from David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done. You can do anything, but not everything. Music